0: The Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you love running or eating, you'll love this show. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Hello and welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. My name is Monica and I created Run, Eat, Repeat to document training for my first marathon, maybe to kind of publicly pressure myself. And that worked out because I did run that race. I've run several since. And now Run It Repeat has turned into a huge community online. And now this podcast. And I am very excited because today I have an interview with a sports medicine doctor. And she's telling us how to prevent running injuries, what to do if we feel like they start coming on. And she's one of the editors of the book, The Long Distance Runner's Guide to Injury Prevention and Treatment. This book is amazing. It is like Wikipedia for a runner's body. It hits all of the bases. I've had it for a while now because I actually did this interview a few weeks ago at least. And since then, Oh my gosh, I just, I find this all very interesting, first of all. And it's really important because one of the most common questions that I get or messages is I think I'm getting an injury, or have you ever had this injury when someone gets diagnosed with something? And I get it because it is very scary and overwhelming, especially if you're training for a race and you feel like you are getting an injury or you are injured. So, This book is amazing. I will link to it in the show notes, and hopefully the interview is going to be very, very helpful. But before we go there, let's warm up. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, you might have realized that I went MIA last week, and it was for a very good reason. I was actually putting together the first-time half-marathoners training plan, and I figured that you know, there would be a handful of people. I really did it because there's a few people in my life, family and friends that have always said, oh, I I would love to run a half marathon. That's something I would always want to do. Similar kind of things. And I thought, okay, well, if you really want to do this, I can help you. I never pressure anyone to do anything like me. I am just like live and let live. But since they were asking for it, I put it together and I figured I would share it online with my followers and got a ton of amazing response and hundreds of people that want to participate, which I was very, very surprised about, but more than that, very excited. So if you are listening to this as the show goes out, this is week one of that half marathon training plan. And if you want to run your first half marathon this year and potentially within the next 16 weeks, it starts this week as week one. And ends June 9th or 10th, depending on what goal race you end up with. So I definitely invite you, if this is something you're interested in, to sign up. This is kind of the last call I'm going to be closing at the end of this week. But if it doesn't work with your life, either because you're injured right now. That's a no-no, right? This is the hot topic of today, injuries. Or it just, it doesn't fit in with your schedule or your fitness level right now. You want to start with a couch to 5K program or something else, or you have some sort of other competitive team that you were on or something else that's keeping you from realistically being able to train for a half marathon right now. I will be putting together another group In probably starting around July or August, depending on what the next goal race is. But like I said, the more the merrier. So if this fits in with your fitness level and running goals, please, please join. I will put a link in the show notes to the form to fill out and I will send you the training plan. And I will also send um, an invite to the Facebook group. There's a private Facebook group just for this these first-time half-marathon runners that are following this plan. So everyone, even if it's not exactly the same race, like I said, we're probably doing a race June 9th in Southern California. But if that doesn't work with your life either before or after around there people are running, if it is way outside of that, we can kind of work with you. And there's also the Team RER Facebook page that is just for... Anyone who wants to kind of hang out and talk about running or eating. So that group might be a better fit for you. But if you have any questions, feel free to let me know. I also have a lot of other stuff to fill you in on, but I don't know how long to make this episode. And that's actually a question that I have for you. Do you prefer one or two long episodes every week? So maybe something that is an hour or more once a week, maybe twice a week or 15 to 30 minute episodes a few times a week, or just more shorter ones. I listen to episodes of all of those lengths. Like I listen to a couple that are kind of long and then other ones that are quick tip style. So let me know. I'll probably put a poll out in the show notes, but if that's, if there's an easier way for you to kind of just DM me or tweet me, um, and yeah, let me know what you would prefer because... Hello. I just remembered I ran the Palm Desert Half Marathon last weekend, which we have not talked about. And the other day I did a buzzed, let's say a little buzz going on Instagram story where I asked "I'm like, do you guys want me to talk about dating? And I was like, why did I even say that? But then I got a ton of response. I was like, yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is A disaster, but kind of a fun one, even if it's at my own expense. I can laugh at myself. Um, But yeah, let me know in the show notes or however, DM me, tweet me, send me a letter, um, a pigeon with the message on it. I don't know how those work. But um, if you would like these episodes a little bit longer or shorter or none of the above, which would be weird because you're listening right now, right? Anyway, let's get on to the main event. Today I'm talking with Dr. Brandy Waite to find out the best exercises to avoid running injuries. Dr. Waite is an expert in sports medicine and physical rehab. She's treated elite athletes across several sports, as well as serious non professional athletes, hobby athletes, endurance runners, and more. She's served as the team physician for the U.S. track and field program. And she's directed several marathons and ultra marathons, including the California International Marathon. And that actually really intrigued me as well because that is a very popular race in California. It is probably the most popular Boston qualifier marathon in California. It's known for having a fast course. Um, so yeah, I w- I wanted to kind of go into a whole spiel about that as well. And I do touch on, based on her experience Directing marathons and with marathon runners and ultra marathon runners, kind of what is there a common factor in injuries that runners get when they're training for marathon races? But I'm going to jump right into it and I go for it. I just ask her, first off, what cross training should we be doing? And how do we know the difference between if we're getting an injury versus we're just kind of being a baby? So I hope that you enjoy this interview and you can check out the show notes for some more information. Is there specific cross-training that prevents certain injuries or is it kind of in general? How should people start that if they're not cross-training right now? There are two really good strategies for cross-training and, and, and many
1: good reasons why you can do it. Number one, you instead of overusing the same muscles over and over and over again, when you cross-train, you just can sort of spread out your cardiovascular training and still get the the healthy heart benefit without necessarily overusing the same muscle group. So you have less overuse injuries when you do this. So one of the reason, ways you can do that is if you switch from an impact um, activity like running to something that's lower impact or non-impact like cycling or elliptical or swimming, so those use slightly different muscles, still keep the cardiovascular um, intensity up and um, don't have as much impact. So for a runners who have some struggles with back pain or arthritis or other things like that, but it's kind of ongoing chronic problems and they're running both for health benefit and just for loss well for running, they can substitute out one run for a lower impact, one or two runs a week for a lower impact activity and still not uh, still get the heart benefits. But not have so much impact. So that's that's kind of one reason. But side running, I still use what I call the front and back muscles. So if someone's standing up and you you run forward, right? Most people don't run side to side, but usually don't run backwards. And so the muscles that move your move your legs, like your your quads, your hip flexors, your hamstrings, and most runners are very strong. And Uh, the muscles that help control your side-to-side movement, sort of the the buttocks muscles, the glutes, those tend to be stronger in our soccer players, dancers, tennis players. But those side-to-side muscles that help control your glutes actually help control the movement at your pelvis when you run, right? So when you run and jump from one foot to the next, you basically have a, a single leg landing, right? And when you land, you shock absorb through your ankle, your knee, and your hip. And so if your hip muscles are a lot weaker, like those gluteal muscles are a lot weaker, then what happens is people, gait mechanics can start to change, particularly as they fatigue later in, a, later in a run or when they're increasing their distance, which can start to cause both hip problems, but also um, inner knee problems. So for people that are wanting to avoid inner knee injury, if they cross train doing something else that has a side-to-side movement, so they have those kind of like elliptical trainers where you push out to the side or if you do something like, I don't know, a Zumba class or something else that's totally different and isn't just the legs moving front and back like running and cycling, um, that can actually really help prevent um, knee injuries by training those gluteal muscles to be stronger. I love that. And you said tennis too? I like that. Tennis too, yeah. Tennis, tennis, or soccer, dance um lots of different things just or even if you're doing some like you know hiking if you're doing trail hiking where there's a little bit more you're not just stepping sort of always in the same place one in front of the other if you're kind of doing a little bit of scramble sort of up the hill but those types of things uh really it's the you know sometimes cross training doing some weights Certainly flexibility training. So some people really, you know, they like to run and they don't really like to do, you know, I don't like to cycle. I don't like to take a dance class. I don't want to do anything else like that. And so for those folks, I say, all right, but then you've got to add some strength training days and then work on strength training those gluteal muscles, doing things like some squats, some of the hip extension exercises, some standing single leg balance work, those types of things, or even something like, like CrossFit, if you don't go totally crazy with it to the point where you end up with an injury because you're pushing muscles that are weaker to keep up with your muscles that are stronger. Any of those things can be really helpful. Also, a lot of runners don't tend to stretch as much. You get out, especially if you're busy, you get out, you get your run, and run as long as you can possibly run. Yes. All the that you've got. And then you just get in your car, you drive home, or you get home, or you take your shower, and you go to work, or whatever it is that you bother got to make that time, you know, especially... You know, I'm in my mid 40s. So, especially those of us that are no longer, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old and running, that flexibility becomes, starts to become an issue. You're more likely to get an injury if you're not doing some stretching than if you are able to keep up with some flexibility. You just recover a lot better. You know, when you're 18, it feels like you can recover from anything at any time. Doesn't matter what,
0: (laughs) doesn't matter what you do. But yes, I am guilty of not stretching. (laughs) yeah i'm guilty of not running and it is so bad it is yeah i i know it's one of those things that i do want to just run as much you know whatever time i have to work out i want to use it all to run and then like get back shower you know eat go and not like spend i've been trying to After my harder workout. So if I do a speed session or a long run, I set my timer on my phone for 10 minutes and I make myself stretch for that long. And that's like my like contribution towards stretching.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, we we need to make sure that we're, that we're doing it, you know, really after every run. So even if you're, and and it's hard sometimes if you're just getting in, you know, a quick, quick three minutes or a quick 20 minutes, right? They say a short workout is better than no workout but you still have to get at least a little bit of
0: stretching. And after that can really
1: help prevent injury.
0: So do you um, suggest a certain amount of time for stretching or different like body parts to focus on or how do you, how does someone kind of start?
1: Yeah. They, you know, the main muscles that get used when you're running, obviously your hip flexors, your quads, your hamstrings, and your calves. So you want to definitely hit, hit those. And uh, for a lot of people, just depending on their body mechanics, their IT bands and their glutes, you know, and sometimes their low back get, you know, kind of irritated or tight when they when they run as well. So those are other things that the areas that you can stretch that that you add in. I I tend to I tend to stretch everything when I do it, but that's only because I, I get to see the repercussions of people when they don't. So it's a very good incentive for me to actually stretch on my little I, you know, I, I, am really more of a, a fast walk jogger than a true runner because I'm always slow and will never, will never be fast. And I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, we, I, I really recommend that people, you know, hold a stretch for a good, you know, 20 to 30 seconds, at least at the end of your run. And if you really count out 20 to 30 seconds, it, it, it's a lot long You know, sometimes people, so if, if people are sort of left to their own devices, they do a stretch, all right, they feel like they stretched and then they move on to the next thing. And, and usually it's really, really quick, like maybe even less than 10 seconds. So um, it seems like it takes a little bit longer, but when you really think about it, you know, it really doesn't take more than 10 minutes I and, mean, you know, even, you know, five, if we're just hitting the ma- major groups to get, you know, a 30 second stretch in on each side to get your hip flexors, your quads, your hamstrings, and your calves.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you also recommend doing anything before you start running, like a warm-up or any dynamic stretching, anything like that?
1: You know, the pendulum swing from one end to the other, you know, kind of as, as decades go by with what's really recommended. And I think the thing that's really the safest, if you are not, if you don't have a specific injury, if you're just, you know, r- running and you want to just kind of stay healthy and, and prevent injuries, you know, to have that first sort of five minutes of your run, five to 10 minutes, depending on how long you're going to run for, just at a slower pace, and then um, to kind of just get things warm before you're really kind of pushing it, then you speed up a little bit into the rest of your run. Some people do like to take a little bit of time between that five-minute sort of overall body warm-up and starting to run at their regular, sort of con- continual pace, to do a little stretch of problem areas. So if you know that you tend to have, you know, trouble with your Achilles tendon or plantar fascia or your hip or your your hamstrings are real tight, then sometimes after that five minute sort of slower slower run for the first bit, if you take that time once you're already warm to do a quick, you know, that that could even be a, a faster stretch, a quick sort of ten to fifteen seconds maybe up to twenty seconds on those problem areas before you get into your run and then taking the time at the end to do the longer stretching. So. It's, It's kind of swung away from, you know, sort of the bouncing dynamic stretch before you even do anything at all. I think most people have gotten away from that. So um, getting that, you know, five minutes to kind of warm everything up and then do a little bit of either static or controlled dynamic stretching, just whichever works best for you or what's been recommended based on whatever your injury is for the the care providers or the trainers that you're working with. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's so and it's so individual too. I think it's so important to like listen to your body and do those kind of moves and stretches and cross training that works with what you're trying to, you know, tend to or strengthen. What works
1: really well for one person may lead another person to injury. So you do have to Try different things and really find what works for you.
0: Oh, definitely. And along with that, I wanted to ask, because I know that you have been the um, medical director for a lot of distance running events, and there are so many training plans as well, like run the gamut in terms of, you know, the run less, run faster. If you're training for three days, two people that do, you know, maybe one rest day max. Do you think that there is... You know, like, does one tend to give someone more injuries than another, or is that another thing that's kind of super individual based on the person's body?
1: Should be quite individual based on the person's body, but most people, when they start a new training program, if it's one that has limited rest, those are more likely to end up with an overuse injury, especially if they haven't done a good job of gradually increasing their 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 time or their distance. So. uh, you know, the the general recommendation that I, that I give to people, which, you know, can be different from person to person, but in general, I tell people you, you shouldn't change more than one factor of your run at a time, right? So you don't increase the distance and increase the speed at the same time. You don't, you know, increase your speed and change to a trail at the same time. So you want to only change one parameter at a time per, per workout, really. And also, you should only increase Either your distance or your intensity, whatever you're working on increasing by maybe 10 to 20% per week. So if you, if you keep it at that level, you're much less likely to have an injury. That's kind of my injury prevention recommendation, which is different than if somebody, you know, is a sponsored runner and has money on the line and is, you know, kind of training for, you know, and, you know, I've got to get through this kind of regardless and maybe I'll, I'll throw the healthiest things out the window, you know, <laughs> for a short period of time. But for our, our general runners who are, you know, running for recreation, even if you're you know, kind of winning an age group but not, not, a, not a sponsored runner and your real goal is to prevent injury, then that, you know, increasing only 10 to 20 percent per week in your either your distance or your intensity is, um, is a, a good rule of thumb.
0: Yeah, it's so hard because I feel like once you've signed up for a race or set your heart on something and so many people are like, um, kind of have this nagging injury or your body is telling you something and you just want to ignore it and run the race. And it's like this, if it's not the Olympics, you know, and you're not getting paid for this, if this is your (laughs) hobby, like you kind of have to put it in perspective because being out for six to eight weeks is the worst. Like, you know, it's better to kind of baby it as much as possible.
1: Yeah. And I think getting some getting a little bit of input too. You know, there are some things that people are able to run through just fine. Like, you know, I tell sometimes people come in and they've got, you know, a a bit of, you know, they're they've got tight IT bands and it's been limited their their progress. And, you know, I tell some people you can continue to train especially if you feel like your pain or your issue comes up at a certain mileage, you can continue to train up to the point where you have the pain and just not try to push beyond it while you're doing rehabilitation for Depending on what it, is, you know, in general, that's true. Say, you know, oh, always when I get to mile five, that's when my, you know, my ankle starts to hurt or that's when my hip starts to hurt. So then I say, okay, well, while we're doing the rehab for whatever injury it is, it's, you know, nice to stop running. If you can cross train or do something else, that's fine. But if you really can't, cause, you know, I have some runners that unless I let them run, they're going to go nuts, you know, because we all, we all know those, those, those folks. Then I say, okay, well, you can, you know, run up to four miles, just not, can't get to the point to five. So you can, you can I'll, I'll allow you some running still so you can get your fit. Um, but we'll control it and keep you out of the, uh, out of the injury exacerbation range. And so that just kind of depends on what it is you're rehabbing from. Now there are other things that you absolutely should not run through, like stress fractures, or there, you know there are other things if you've got a, a, a new tear in a tendon or a tear in a ligament. Those you really should not run through because it can really lead to other problems.
0: Mm-hmm. How does someone though that is you know athletes in general and, and runners you're used to being uncomfortable, you know potentially being In pain on some level, how do you know, like, this might be something kind of serious that I would be making worse, or suck it up, buttercup kind of thing? Like, how do we figure that out?
1: Yeah, you know, you have to go a little bit by your history. You know, if you've been somebody that's like, oh, yeah, when I get a sprain, you know, I kind of run through it, and usually within two, two weeks, it feels better, and, you know, it's fine. And this time it's not. So basically, if, if the intensity of the pain is more significant than what you're used to, Or the duration of the symptoms, like it, you know, it hasn't gone away in three weeks or, you know, I rested for two weeks. Usually if I rest for two weeks, I'll feel better and I can go back to run, but you rested for two weeks and you went back and it was just the same. Or, you know, it's been six weeks or eight weeks and I've been running with this issue and it's not getting any better. It may not be getting worse, may not be getting better. Then it's worth it to see someone just to make sure you don't have something that will keep you out of running. Most of the time, if you see, a physician that is used to dealing with athletes, they're not going to make you stop running unless you have to stop running. So, you know, sometimes people get irritated with their doctors when they go in. you know, there's always that that cartoon that says, Doc, it hurts when I do this. Mm-hmm. And they lift their arm up over their head and then the doctor says, okay, well, don't do that. And so a lot of runners come to see me and they say, "Yeah, oh, well, my, you know, my regular doctor who knows a lot about other things but maybe doesn't know that much about running, just says, okay, we'll just stop running. But that's the only time you have pain, then just don't run, you know. And that's not really an acceptable answer <laughs> for <Yeah. laughs> for, a, for a lot of people. So they, so then they're scared to go to the doctor because they don't want the doctor to tell them not to run because if they're going to run anyway, then you're just, you know, kind of not doing what your doctor said. And then when you feel really bad, you don't want to go back in and say, oh, I kept running and, <laughs> and and now I feel worse. So I always like to let people know if you, if you find someone that that knows something, that is used to dealing with athletes or runners, you know, and even if you're not, you know, say you're, you know, a 12-minute miler, you may not consider yourself an athlete, but you are steady at that 12-minute mile pace for your half marathon or your whatever it is that you do, still it's worth it to see someone who is used to dealing with people who have sort of recreational fitness goals because we know how to keep people moving towards their goals I won't derail them unless it's absolutely necessary.
0: Yes, I totally agree. And I think it doesn't matter how fast you're going. If you're asking athletic things of your body, then you need to acknowledge, you know, that you need to treat it like an athlete's body. And if it's like something feels wrong, yeah, like you, you should take care of it for sure. Thank you so much, Dr. Waite. And if you want a copy of the book, The Long Distance Runner's Guide to Injury Prevention and Treatment, you can get it. I will put a link to it in the show notes. It's available on Amazon and it really is awesome. And just super, super, I just feel like it hits everything that you would really have a question about. And some of it is kind of small stuff. It is anything from blisters to colitis to, anything in between the common running injuries that we see and how to prevent them. And it just really answers all of your questions, even the embarrassing ones about having stomach issues. And there are gross pictures of blisters, but it's also super helpful and interesting. Hopefully that interview was helpful and check out the show notes for more. Now it's time for the awards. This week's awards, there is a tie for first place, and I just can't decide which one I like better. I like them both equally. It's two of my favorite foods right now, oranges and Bolthouse Farms salad dressing. I just am a fan. After the Palm Desert Half Marathon, actually, I had oranges, and they had the usual spread. So they had oranges, bagels, chocolate milk, nut butter, All of the usual stuff you get after a race and it was very noteworthy though when I went up to the table to grab an orange, how good it smelled. Like it just smelled amazing, the oranges and it kind of let you know these are going to be awesome oranges and they were and I have wanted more ever since and to be honest, let me, um, confession, confession time, I ate half of Cindy's orange too, my best friend. She ran the 5K. And she went to the race with me. So I ate. And they're like big oranges. Not that this is an actual confession. It's just funny because I've talked about this in the past. Her brother listens to the podcast. And I've mentioned about how I um, steal her food. I don't steal it. It's not like – I feel like that is someone doesn't know if you're taking something. But she eats really slow. So I always end up eating some of her food too. And I did it again. I just realized right now saying this out loud that I am – just doing that it's just a thing anyways also bolt house farms salad dressing the salsa ranch is my favorite this week but I switch it up they have I don't know maybe six or seven different kinds it's the it's like very usual kind of flavors of salad dressing ranch salsa ranch there's an Italian one I don't even know actually but my favorite is the salsa ranch right now sometimes I like the ranch I went through a phase of liking the blue cheese all of them are awesome. Fairly low in calories and fat, which I love. So you can use it as a dip as well. And yeah, those are the two things. It's just a tie for first. And that's all we're gonna do right now. And finally, if you have a question for me, you can email me at runitrepeat at gmail.com. Just put podcast question in the subject line, or you can call the podcast voicemail and leave your question there. Let me know what you want going on. And I might play it and answer it on the show. That number is 562. 888-1644. Eight 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 one six four four. 1644 And if you have some time, please make sure that you subscribe to the show so you know if I fall off the face of the earth. And I guess if I'm missing for more than 21 days, call the authorities? I don't know. Or be happy for me. Maybe I'm on some island somewhere living the life off the grid. And also, if you have a minute, rate the show in your podcast app. I super, super appreciate you doing that and listening. Have a great run. Thank you for listening to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. For more information, check out runeatrepeat.com.